in a BMC meeting, you could be that uh, under 17 year old and you'll be lining up, picking your number alongside an Olympic runner. I'm very proud that that's something the BMC is doing. Wherever you are an athlete, there's a coach or a resource or a facility to help you on your journey. Without the work of volunteers up and down the land making our sports inclusive as it is, that wouldn't be possible. Welcome to the podcast. My name's Alex Eftel. Hope you're doing good. On the show this time, an exclusive interview with the British Milers Club. They say this year has been their best ever. Find out why and more about the methods the middle distance specialists use to set up their races and their advice to other competition organisers looking to grow what they're offering. Also on this month's England Athletics podcast, an end of year review of sorts, including a chat about some of the positives from this year and some of the challenges that are currently being faced. First, to our featured guest, Tim Brennan, the chair and CEO of the British Milers Club, which lights up our calendar year on year and social media pages with middle distance events and big performances. So what are his thoughts on the 2021 season? Why does he think it's their best ever? Well, I think firstly, a lot of relief at having a season at all, and then uh, a tremendous amount of satisfaction, as we believe it was uh, very probably our best season ever. So, you know, if I look back to uh, 2020, what probably wasn't visible to people was the huge amount of work that the BMC was putting in to try and get uh, any sort of competition going, working with England Athletics and UK Athletics to define exactly how to do that. But I never wanted to be working out if 800 metre runners ran the whole race in, in lanes and were running at similar times. Uh, how long would they be in contact with each other uh, within two metres? It, it's not where you want your efforts going. So although we were pleased and proud we managed to get a good race program going in 2020 to have something which was at least uh, approaching normal in, in 2021 was a huge relief and then results which actually came through were outstanding coming from that. Yeah some of the highlights have included not just this year last couple of years some breakthroughs for the likes of Keely Hodgkinson and Max Bergen. We know that Britain is strong at middle distance but the BMC is almost reinforce that by bringing together the best of British and that's been one of the great things hasn't it? Yeah I mean exactly that so you know you mentioned those breakthroughs but uh, in 2021 we had Alex Bell running sub two minutes and you know she's maybe someone who hasn't had all the luck on selection but has kept going through the BMC and got herself to major championships and then had Oliver Dustin running 145 and along with Max, one of the great up and coming uh, young 800 metre runners. So, so it's those results, but they go through the 1500 and the 5000 as well as being consistently very high. Now, I looked and saw that your Grand Prix series was started in 1997. So I make that 25 years to celebrate next year. And that's something that you've worked really hard on to try and grow in recent years. What's been kind of the driving force behind growing that and trying to get uh, top athletes turning out a high uh, standard across those races? Because those have been some brilliant events. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at what the BMC originally did when it started, it was very much about having 
the odd race hosted in another meeting. So we were catering to uh, an elite but smaller number of athletes. And then the decision to um, expand the membership meant we could put on our own uh, dedicated meetings. So, you know, that's what led to the, uh, the Grand Prix starting all those years ago. Its success has come from the ability to uh, adapt but keep the, the, the fundamental principles, which is bringing to, uh, athletes together to run in graded races where you're, you're competing against people of uh, very similar standards and to give athletes the opportunity to progress through the grades. So you can start off in the F race of, uh, of one of our Grand Prix. You'll be running in the same meeting as the uh, Olympic qualified athletes who are running in the A race. And you can see the pathway which gets you uh, through there. So when I was running and doing the Southern Counties, you might get Steve Ovett turning up and find yourself in the same heat as him. Well, that, that doesn't happen today. But in a BMC meeting, you could be that uh, under 17 year old and you'll be lining up, picking your number and alongside an Olympic runner. And I'm, I'm very proud that that's something the BMC is doing. All the levels of the, the sport come together. What are your thoughts on the benefits of event-specific competition? Of course, that does mean you get, as you say, all levels of a particular event. Let's say if you do more than one event, well, then it's great to have more like a, a league meeting sort of feature of run, jumping and, and throwing across the board. It's also better for people trying out other events and, and seeing what might be there. It might lead them to have add more strings to their bow. So what are your thoughts on, on that? I mean, nobody says that the only thing you should do is event-specific competition. So, so doing, uh, obviously, the championships, but also, you know, other things for your, your league. And, and certainly at the younger ages, I'm a, a great believer in, in the athletes who uh, do multiple events, You've got someone like Ben Patterson, who, who was like that, um, but now, you know, very much a specialist 800 metre runner. But I think what the event specific does, firstly, it's, it's a level playing field for anyone to enter. So, you know, it doesn't matter what league your club are in and, you know, you happen to be the third best person in your club and you're, you're not even going to get in the league races because there's only an A and B spot. So when you do enter, you come into uh, a graded competition where you will be running against um, people who are similar to you in standard. And, that, and that's the way people improve. You know, all our races are paced and that's uh, an important part of what we do. But it's also very important that the races are closely graded. So if you're in an 800 metre race and everybody has run within one second of each other, it's it's very, very competitive. And that's why people race hard and get the PBs. Um, the, the last part of event specific is it enables a concentrated meeting so you can do a, a meeting in three hours you know, they're all endurance races and endurance runners like to watch other endurance runners so there's a good crowd there and people are interested in what's going on and it makes for the uh, atmosphere of the meetings. Thinking about how a British Miners Club season is planned so many different fixtures of various kinds with some localised teams around the the country all coming together as part of one sort of umbrella set of uh, overall fixtures yeah so i think well we say what we'd ideally like 
to be doing. So, you know, the first thing we, we, we sit down and look at is um, the championship calendar and, and the qualifications for those championships. So whether that's the uh, English schools or the world championships, we, we want to organise our races to give people the, the opportunities to qualify for those. Then to try and give a, a focus to the end of the season. So, you know, this year we, we introduced into the Grand Prix final uh, an overall season prizes of £1,000 to uh, the person who'd uh, got the most points through the Grand Prix series. And we had the meeting at Loughborough where we were, were celebrating uh, the life of George Gandhi. And we had the Festival of Miles at um, Nymphal Christie Stadium. So all these gave um, a focus after qualifications were over. You try and go for the tracks which are best around the country for uh, the fastest times and people know that Watford's good, that Trafford's good and the time of day matters. So most BMC races happen in the evening because the conditions, the wind and so on tend to be uh, better for endurance running. So, you know, everything we do is geared up around the athlete. We're, we're a club for the athlete. We're not a meeting promoter looking to um, promote a particular organisation or particular venue. And, you know, we go into the planning process with England athletics and UK athletics and talk with the leagues and uh, the championships. And inevitably, we have to make a, a few compromises. What they're doing is important as well. Tim Brennan, the chair and CEO of the British Milers Club. Later, you'll hear him discuss whether the 2022 season presents a particularly difficult challenge in terms of planning fixtures. That leads us on nicely to our chat among those from England Athletics, CEO Chris Jones, Head of Club Support and Participation Emma Davenport, and Head of Coaching and Athlete Development Martin Rush, all sat down to look back on the year and preview what's to come as well. Our conversation starts with me asking Chris for his reflections on the year to this point. My overwhelming feeling is one of great pride. We were able to bring back a lot of competition during the summer season, landmark events on and off the track. So Manchester International, England Age Group Championships, and then of course, some of the big road races, the Great North Run, uh, London Marathon returning, park runs returning across the country. And of course, nearly, you know, 2000 domestic track and field competitions across the country led by the hard work of volunteers. We're in good shape ahead of 2022, which promises to be a fine season of indoor and outdoor athletics and running. There remain challenges, of course, but we know that we have been there before. And I guess the final thing I would say is partnership at all levels of the sport, collaboration, a positive attitude and thinking not just of oneself, but each other and the athletics and running family is fundamentally important. Thanks, Chris. Martin, what do you think we've learned from this period? If you just cast your mind back to where we were in January in the uh, sort of second lockdown, it's just been an amazing journey for someone who likes to uh, plan, likes to know where they're going, likes to know what's coming up, not just tomorrow, but sort of like six months, one year, four year cycle uh, for things like the Olympic Games. Everything was just thrown up in the air. Um, we know we've got big challenges with um, with the track and field side, you know, making sure that we're getting young athletes back into the sport. But 
as Chris said, we're, we're in a good, solid position. We know where we can go forward. We've got things like the Commonwealth Games next year, an amazing opportunity for, uh, for athletics. I'm working, obviously, with Kelly Southerton, the team leader, uh, and the rest of my staff, and making sure that we connect with, uh, with Emma's team um, so that there is a direct link, if you like, with the clubs and all the volunteers and all the great work that's been done out there with something as important as Birmingham 2022. And talking about Emma's team, Emma, well, we know it's been a difficult year for clubs. Just give us a sense of what it has been like. We've also seen a number of positives as well, such as clubs working together. I think coming out of the lockdown this time in January, clubs were a lot more resilient and they kind of knew what to do, having been there before group sizes and, and ratios and how to deal with COVID restrictions. So the bounce back of the clubs was a lot quicker. All the clubs that were affiliated in 2020 have reaffiliated in 2021. So we've not lost any clubs during this affiliation year. We're seeing some of those clubs grow. We've got a number of waiting lists, particularly in clubs with junior sections. We've got a lot of juniors that want to take part in our sport and we just don't have the workforce within the clubs to do that. So one of the things that um, we're, we're talking to clubs about, particularly in the build-up to Birmingham next year, is how we can accelerate that workforce of coaches and officials, how we can bring the backlog we've suffered because of COVID, how we can accelerate that going forward. And we've obviously got a great online offer now, but you know that doesn't always compensate for some of the face-to-face delivery that we need to do with our, with our coaches as we're taking them through that education. We're starting to see things like guide running workshops start again, face-to-face, which is a, a massive boost for, for that community. Some clubs have, have come out this really positive, worked together, been really innovative, embraced change. Others, because of the size and nature of them, have been a bit slower out of the blocks. But seeing a real balanced picture out there, really, within the clubs, and it's great to see. Great to go down to, to a club night and see, you know, lots of youngsters or all the older generations running around and, and getting involved again. Well, just coming in off the back of that, Reminded me that, Chris, you were recently at uh, Hercules Wimbledon Athletics Club on a visit there. And it was mentioned the fact that naturally, like a, a lot of clubs, there have been some people who haven't turned up as much over the last 18 months. And it's those people that we don't want to lose from the sport. And I just wonder whether any thoughts or advice come to mind in terms of what clubs can do to try and re-engage some of those people and make sure that we don't lose some of those. To be at a club on a Tuesday evening was just brilliant. Absolutely superb. But I know that clubs across the country are experiencing challenges in numerous ways. Firstly, in terms of retention and development of their facilities. Some are opening at different times, dependent on the approach of the local authority or the leisure contractor. And that's taking up quite a bit of time for our club support team and Ed Hunter facilities and planning manager to support clubs to make sure that they can have full access to their facilities again, which of course has an impact then on the number of athletes and runners that they can accommodate at any one time through training and competition. And of course, with Trackmark, the accreditation programme being put back to 2023, that certainly gives us more time to support clubs, work with facility providers to, to make sure that facilities are in a good situation. Uh, ahead of accreditation. Whilst we brought back a large number of competitions this year, lower numbers of people competing, we all together need to think about the relevance of our competitions, the appropriateness of the format of those competitions, the requirement of on volunteers to officiate and work as team managers and in our ancillary roles at those competitions, the amount of time it takes up, the amount of time it takes for coaches and athletes to have to travel to competitions, One of the things that COVID has 
brought to us all is kind of a an opportunity to to pause for a while and actually reflect on how our sport is presented at all levels. And there is much more work for all of us to do, I think. We need to continue to move with the times as a sport and and look at what other sports and other sectors are doing to innovate. Uh, because at the end of the day, this is all about the athletes and, and um, ensuring that our product is as good as it can be is crucial to ensuring that we keep hold of the athletes and runners that are enjoying our sport. And we know we've got an issue there in teenage years, particularly track and field participation, flatlining and declining. And the only way we're going to combat that is working collaboratively together at all levels of the sport. The final thing I would say is, of course, the number one requisite for organisations working in the sports to keep people safe. Some of the safeguarding reforms that have come in over the last 12 months have been fundamentally important in ensuring that we are resourced appropriately uh, with the right support for our volunteer-run structures in the sport to be able to keep people safe. That will have a direct impact on parents saying, do I want my child to be doing athletics, running, swimming, rugby, football, cricket, etc. those sports, where shall I go for that best experience? And I know Emma's team are at the forefront of leading that effort, working with our home country and UKA partners as well. England Athletics CEO Chris Jones talking to this podcast, which is on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, among other applications. Like with the British Milers Club, that discussion is also in two parts. We like to break it up a little on this show, keep the flow going. Thereby, we go on to the second part of my chat with the BMC's Tim Brennan. Does he think that having three major championships, the Worlds, Commonwealths and Europeans next year, presents an especially tough domestic fixture planning challenge? It adds to the complexity. There's more dates in July and going into August, which uh, are difficult, but it also gives uh, an opportunity because the numbers going to the Europeans will be limited and overseas events aren't on to such an extent. So it also gives us an opportunity to provide um, races for people who uh, haven't qualified for those championships. Seen you many times at the Grand Prix and, and other meetings, watching on and at the centre of things. What's a day that you look back on where you look back and think that was a brilliant event? I think I'd have to go for the um, Watford Gold Standard in August. I was on commentary, but I'm not sure the microphone was working properly, so I'm not sure anyone could actually uh, hear me. But, um, you know, we had three races in a row. We had sub 340, 1500. Ali Baker then ran 406 in, in the 1500. Um, and we had uh, a 146, 800. So that was one after each other in about 15 minutes. And you thought, wow, that's just something a bit special there. And what about the toughest thing that you feel you have to do as a, as a competition organiser? Anything that's particularly challenging? Everyone wants to be in the A race. That's (laughs) what I was going to come to. Everybody wants to be in the A race. If we've made a mistake, we'll uh, put our hand up and adjust things. But the Power 10 was built out of the BMC entry system. So we have, um, you know, very good information about what everybody's run. And you admire people who are arguing to be in a higher race. 
but there comes a point sometimes when uh, you know people will point out that they've run faster than uh, somebody in the A race, but not that they've run slower than half a dozen people in the B race, and and that sort of thing. So it's hard to to disappoint people. And someone who who we haven't upgraded goes out and runs a brilliant race, wins the B race, and can come back and um, tell me what a fool I've been. I don't mind that at all. And there's been a few examples of that. You've monitored the, let's say, the average times of winners and 10th and places. Right. Keep an eye on statistics as well. And there's always at the forefront, uh, often on the web pages, is the, the ratio of finishers to PBs as well. So you consider it quite important to look at this statistical information. Absolutely. It's something we, we do every uh, close season. So we know in 2021, we had 49% PB rate in our meetings, which is the best ever. We have measured all the Grand Prix, you know, combining together the best time of the year, the uh, fastest average British performance of the year in each event and the 10th best performance in each event. And by putting those together, it gives a, a pretty good measure of how the meetings uh, are doing. And, and, you know, that's the measure that we used to say that, that 2021 was uh, better than every other going back to 1997. There was an element of travel being more difficult this year. So the hope would be that athletes will say, well, I turned up to British Milers Club or, or whatever, maybe a, a different event, and the conditions are actually quite reasonable. Yeah, you yeah. always have the temptation of meetings in Spain, Belgium, Sweden that are, are of a similar, maybe Grand Prix ilk, which may have a different standard, help an athlete get used to something else. And these days, compared to maybe 10, 15 years ago, there's more athletes of a category for whom that would be desirable and with uh, reasonably cheap travel as well so you'll hope that athletes will be encouraged to stay in the UK and go to a BMC event but you'll always see the the uh, attraction of a foreign Grand Prix as well. I understand why athletes would want to do that I think 2021 when as you say we, we had maybe less British athletes traveling abroad and, and less overseas athletes coming to our Grand Prix demonstrated that you can have a, a, a really strong domestic season built out of domestic athletes. And, you know, not just in the 8 and 15, but, you know, we had a 1339, 5,000 from Tom Mortimer, 828, Steeplechase, Saxon, 1534, Jenny Nesbitt. So I hope people will, will see this year's performances and support the BMC events. You have some phenomenally loyal expert pacemakers. Yeah, Reese yeah. Ingley, Bethany Donnelly. Yes. Then we also see others who return a couple of times throughout the evening having raced themselves as well. So what do you think makes a, a great BMC pacemaker? Uh, well, ability to run at the right pace is the, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's the way to come in. It tends to be that an 800 metre runner or even a 400 hurdler makes a, a better 800 metre pacemaker because they're, they're used to controlling the pace that they ran at whereas uh, you know a, a more a sprinter based 400 meter runner may go out and run a, a, a 22 second 200 which isn't any use to, to anyone if they're aiming for 48 a lot of them do a, a fantastic job what would your advice be to organizers who are trying to 
grow their competition and make sure that they're offering something suitable to athletes at, at different levels. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we've worked with other um, event groups. So uh, we hosted some 400 meter races and uh, this year, some 100 meter and 200 meter races previous years. So the model which works for middle distance can work for other events. Ironically, in the 400s, one of the, the main beneficiaries turned out to be Keely Hodgkinson, who uh, opened her season with a very good 400 uh, at Trafford. But, you know, my advice would be you need people organising the meetings who understand the athletes and to orientate the meetings around what athletes want. So what's good for a, a middle distance runner is, is different for a sprinter. So, you know, sprinters uh, like reversible straight so that they can run with the wind direction which is best for them it's things like that where you need um, meeting organizers from the coaching community who uh, understand um, what's good for those event groups really interesting to hear the views of the bmc's tim brennan about the focus on graded races and the keen eye on reviewing statistics You heard us talk there about providing a springboard for major competitions and returning to the discussion with England Athletics now, it being an Olympic year, the question would be, how do we capitalise on that hunger from a generation inspired by the sport they see on TV? The amount of times you talk to athletes in this job and they say they were one of the kids who were driven to take part by London 2012 and are now at the peak of their powers. Here's what Martin Rush has to say. We have the products, if you like, like the Olympic Games, like London Marathon, Commonwealth Games, slightly lower level, the England Championships. That visual showpiece, but it's then that next step. How do we make it really easy to access um, athletics for those people? We've also, of course, got the schools. Every young person does, does athletics at school. How do we sort of like then take those school athletes into the club, be motivated maybe by something that's been on TV? And that's where things like the quality of coaching, you know, the welcome that clubs give, how good is that initial coaching session? Also, just to touch on a little bit more, the Paralympics. I know there were recently some Paralympic sprints and jumps camps. And there you often get some people who haven't got such a background as a junior that is rooted in the sport but they come to really find something that's uh, very enriching through that absolutely and if we can make those camps accessible to those who show some talent but also you know we can make the club environment completely inclusive then actually that gives us reach across the whole of society to make our sport accessible so talking about inclusion emma just perhaps relevant to ask here if clubs want to grow they want to become more diverse maybe including elements across track and field more throw specialism need advice on coaching maybe want more support for para athletes what kind of support is available for clubs who want to try and grow and and diversify we've got a number of ways that we can support clubs to diversify some through um through our programs the starting at the bottom phonetics that entry level for for youngsters coming into the sport that can be both delivered within a school club or community environment linking to our run together groups so often we put run together groups on 
that entry level from you know somebody who thinks about putting their trainers on to moving into that club environment and then whether it's a marathon or a competition or through to our master's program and then we offer a huge amount of support to our clubs within the coaching space which is what you're asking about throws or jumps you know our specialisms so we've got funding that we put into clubs through track nights we parachute um, coaches in experienced coaches in to help develop other coaches we have a huge program that our, our event leads run so um, through athletics hub there's a wealth of backdated webinars resources that's updated on a on a weekly basis with new content our coaching team through the regional coaching leads put on get-togethers forums where they bring together a group of like-minded coaches to discuss best practice and the idea is that whether you're an entry level runner coming into a, a run together group, that the, the coaching infrastructure within that group is suitable for your, your levels and your skills and what, what you need right up to the talent pathway and linking into the talent hubs that we've, we've got emerging across the country as well. Wherever you are an athlete, there's a coach or a resource or a facility to help you on your journey. The performance in Tokyo in the Paralympics, again, just reinforced how strong and in what good health our para-sport is. None of those achievements would be possible without the hard work of volunteers to make our sport as inclusive, as open as it can be at that local level. England athletics this year achieved the advanced level of the equality standard in sport, which we're all very proud of, but we're also very cognizant of the fact that without the work of volunteers up and down the land making our sport as inclusive as it is, that wouldn't be possible, um, particularly some of the work that we've seen in recent weeks through our 3,000 running groups and many of our 1,400 member clubs across the country working as part of the campaign hashtag run and talk where we've got mental health ambassadors or champions in place at a local level providing a safe space through running for people to come and enjoy our sport and to talk about mental health making sure that people know it's okay not to be okay. This time a year ago I discussed with Martin on the podcast about how the next few months might go. And, uh, well, goodness me, it was a lot harder to foresee how they might go at that point, with it being very difficult to foresee a, a full indoor season because of the difficulties of COVID. And we then ended up in a lockdown. This time, Martin, I would hope it, it is easier to outline how things will go. Uh, yeah, vi visionary, wasn't I? <laughs> visionary, uh, I think I got it completely wrong. It looks like we could be getting an absolutely complete winter program, uh, cross-country licensing happening at this moment, road relays. And then, of course, we head into the indoor season at the uh, sort of end of December and then into championship indoor season, January, February, March. Some competition providers, probably more actually the facilities, may have to put some restrictions. But at the moment, we, we don't know that. And I'm really positive that we won't have to. That means going through the indoors, Looking at the track next year, got all the selection policies out for our Commonwealth Games. We're at the moment talking to the uh, organising committee in Birmingham about a test event uh, to make sure that the stadium's all ready. And um, it's exciting times again. Brilliant. Well, a number of athletes that were spoken to around the time of the Olympics already saying how excited they are for the Commonwealth Games, including Taylor Campbell and Emily Borthwick some for whom they expect that the Commonwealth might be a, a bigger chance of a medal, others for whom have already achieved the standards or are connected in some way to the Midlands. And so it being in Birmingham, those games becoming particularly special. I think we all get excited at the end of the day when 
performances come out and we've seen so many great performances across the board this year. I think it's worth a special mention for Keely Hodgkinson. For one reason, just looking at her trajectory, it was only three years ago where she won the England Under-17 title and the Under-20 title, winning an Olympic silver three years later. So extraordinary inspiration, I think, for other young athletes, Chris. Oh, absolutely. And I'm delighted for Trevor and Jenny, her coaches. Yeah, just fantastic to see. But it was also fantastic to see so many other young English athletes perform well in Tokyo and domestically during the summer, as mentioned before. Timely reminder to all of us how important the work that our member clubs do, our competition providers do, and the coordinating role that we have as an organisation as well. But fantastic achievement, it really was. Well, thanks to Chris, Emma, Martin and Tim for joining us for this episode. For the latest guidance, content and support offers, please do check out the England Athletics website regularly, along with our social media channels. That's it for this episode of the podcast. Be sure to join us next time. Thank you.